the great Welsh pastor and theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, anyone can lie down, but the question is, can you sleep? We have beds, maybe even normal bedtimes, but when you lie down, do you rest? Do you find rest? Or when you lie down, do you think about the day? You think about its troubles, you think about its worries. When you lie down, do you, do you sit there awake, restless, thinking about tomorrow's troubles and tomorrow's worries or what you need to accomplish, what needs to be done? What keeps you awake? What keeps you from rest? What are your worries? What are your fears? What are your anxieties? What keeps you from peace? Philippians 4, 6. Let's say it again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The imperative in verse 6 is not this. It is not saying, stop worrying. It is not saying, why would you worry? It's not going to happen. It's not what Paul's saying. It's also not saying, don't worry, it's wrong to worry. It's also not saying, stop, worrying won't make a difference. I don't know if you ever heard those things spoken to you. Or maybe those things come out of your mouth to someone else. Those are trite platitudes. While they may or may not have a grain of truth, they are not helpful. And Paul doesn't say them. And here's the thing. You and I worship a God of help. A God who is our helper. A God who is our Savior. The Bible starts with this premise. You and I are anxious. You and I worry. Raise your hand if you are fearful, anxious, or worrying about anything. All right, those that didn't raise your hand are liars. We all worry, we all fear, and we all have anxiety. I mean, this is the definition in, in the biblical term of anxiety. It means overcaring, overthinking, undue concern. It doesn't mean you don't worry about some things. It means don't overthink about it. Don't overconcern yourself with these things. Don't overcare about these things. And verse 6 is basically saying this, stop over-worrying for everything else but God. Stop overly concerning yourself about everything except you cannot over-concern yourself with God. This doesn't mean we don't spend time with concern or planning or working or providing. We do all these things. This is important. Jesus really kind of nails this home even further in Matthew 6. 
verse 25. You're, I know you're familiar with this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus, he's not saying don't worry, don't have concern about those things. It's, not, he's, it's, it's don't have over-concern, don't have undue concern about those things. The most fundamental things about life, food, water, clothing, shelter, Jesus goes after those things says, listen, don't have undue concern about those things and everything else. Don't have over-concern about your life, whether you live or die. Have some concern, not over-concern. And he may say, where's the line, Jesus? Give me the line. It, it, it's a little bit on this, uh, the, where the Proverbs would describe it, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Focus on concern with God, who God is who God is creating you to be, what God wants. Don't be overly concerned about everything else. And then he asks the question, is not life more than the most fundamental physical and temporal things? And of course the answer is yes. Life, our life, all of life is about the life giver, the life sustainer. Concern ourselves with God. If we are to lie awake at night, some of you might lie awake more than others, it is not to concern ourselves with our circumstances. It's not to concern about even your basic physical needs, not to be concerned about what is going to happen tomorrow, not to be overly concerned about those things. Not to be overly concerned about giving your anxiety to God. But the point is, focus on God. When you are awake, focus on God. Matthew 10, 28 says it this way. And do not fear those who kill the body, but not kill, cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and and body in hell. That would say, hey, have concern over, con you cannot have over concern about the one who controls it all. Focus on that. The truth is that scripture recognizes that we are all trapped in the tyranny of our circumstances. We are all trapped in the tyranny of our sin. We are all trapped in the tyranny of our anxiety. But there is hope. Being anxious, which we all agree we are to varying degrees, means we are part of the world. It means we're human. Being anxious is a mark of the fall. It is a mark of being a sinner under the curse of sin. I, I don't want you to think right here. He, did he just say, because I'm anxious, I, am, I sin? Yes, but it's bigger than that. It's because you're under the curse of sin. We are all overly concerned about things we should not be overly concerned about. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned about them. Overly concerned, undue concern. 
And because we are sinners and under the curse, we focus more on other things than we ought to focus on God. And that's the point. We are all anxious. This is very important. Do not compare your outward anxiety to someone else. Do not think, oh, I am less of a sinner because my outward expression of anxiety is less than someone else. Man, I am more sanctified, I am more mature, I am a deeper follower and lover of God because my outward anxiety is better than someone else's. Would you want to compare all your sins to someone else? Paul is the one that says, I am the greatest sinner of all. If we have a proper view of ourselves, we would not even try to compare our sins, any sins, let alone part of our anxiety. We're all different. We're all anxious to various degrees. And some of us, some of us might have better outward coping mechanisms, but this is the truth. You and I cannot control our anxiety. You and I cannot control our anxiety. You and I cannot control our hearts and minds. That's a weird thing you might think for Scripture saying. God is saying you cannot control your thoughts. You cannot control your desires. You cannot control your deepest emotions and wants. And you cannot control your fears and anxieties. Why? Because we're under the curse of sin. Because we are completely broken, completely fallen. I want you to think, take a moment and think about one of your anxieties or one of your fears, one of your worries. Can you remember a time in our life where you felt, I can't control that. I want to control it. I want to stop worrying about this thing. I want to focus on something else. And yet you couldn't. Everything drew you back to that moment. You, might, you and I might have better coping mechanisms than others or better outwards where we to con- seemingly like we're under control of our anxiety. But the reality is none of us control of it. So if we have a device that says stop worrying, it is really unhelpful. And it's ridiculous because it implies that you actually can control your worries and your anxieties. I'll give you an example of this in my own life. I didn't used to be scared of heights. Jess and I were younger in age. I wasn't scared of heights. I would take her and I would kind of laugh that she was kind of scared of heights. But now I have a crippling fear of heights. And it drives me crazy That when I am around heights, particularly when I have my children around heights, my grown adult children, that the anxiety in me rises up that it's uncontrollable. Now, I can at times have an outward expression where you might not notice it, but it it drives me crazy, and it drives me crazy that I can't control it. Because I know it is absurd at times. There's a guardrail. It's really secure. I'm not going to fall down. Here's the other thing about the heights kind of thing. This is one of the thoughts that goes in my mind, which is one of my fears. I worry actually of pushing people down the heights. (laughs) 
It's not something you can undo. I know. This is, I can't control it. It is uncontrollable. I can, I can cope with it outwardly better, but inwardly, I'm a mess. It's so bad that now even television shows that show heights, it, it, it rises that up anxiety. Like, this is absurd. This is not real. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near it. My, my children have these little VR things, and they have some of these great heights and VR things. I know I am on solid footing in my own house, and the anxiety wells up in me. It's unbearable. It's uncontrollable. Here's the thing. Do not pick on the fears or anxiety of someone else because they can't control it. Even something that seems ridiculous or silly, it's a little spider. Why why are you scared of that? Their fears and anxiety might be different than yours. The reality is they can't control it. Who knows why they have it? But you know now, maybe, you can't control yours, neither can they control theirs. Why would you ridicule them for that? Why would you tease them about that? This doesn't mean we're hopeless, though. Because we're not in control doesn't mean we're hopeless. It does mean we are unable to help ourselves in our anxiety. Unlike any other self-help book, psychologist, the Bible gives us hope. I want you to hear the good news clearly this morning. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, like thanks, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, no, be made known to God. That's the good news. The remedy of our anxieties is this. Let God know about them. You're like, well, that's kind of, how is that good news? Doesn't God already know about them? Yes. But the remedy is saying you express them to God. You are to pray about them. You are to have a conversation with the helper. Let him know about your anxieties. Let him know about your undue concerns. Let him know about what your mind is preoccupied with. This is not saying, I I want you to hear it clear. This is not saying, pray about your anxieties to God and he will remove them. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what Paul's saying. It's not what God's saying. 1 Peter 5, 7 says it this way, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This, This is what this passage is saying. This is the good news in all of this. God knows we are anxious. God knows we are warriors. God knows that we are overly concerned about things that we ought not to be concerned about. And this is what he says, cast those worries upon me. Why? Because I love you. Because I care for you. You and I may have empathy for people and we want to we hear their struggles right? And we want to hear their burdens. I'm in, I'm in a role that often that's what I do. I hear people. And here's the truth with all of us. At times we get tired of that, don't we? 
We get tired of that, maybe that same person coming to us. Or I, I do not think that I'm saying this about, right? But at times, this is all of us, right? All right, we're just tired. Here's the thing. God is never tired of it. God never says, okay, there's a limit into which you can come to me. You've exceeded your monthly limit. You must stop. That's not what he's saying. He says, oh, it's I love and care for you. I know what you're going through. Tell them about, tell them to me. Come to me. God wants you to communicate with them. He wants you to be in relationship, which is essentially what prayer is. Because he loves you. It's not because he's going to take all of your anxieties or worries away. It's not because he's going to necessarily change your circumstances. Or he's going to change your anxieties. But this is the gospel. Come to him. So how do we do this? How do we make our request known to him? How do we cast our anxieties onto him? Here's the hint. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be some practical things here, but here's the hint. How do you cast your sin onto God? Because that's what it means. How do you cast your anxieties onto God? How would you cast your sin onto God? If you just hold that for a second, think about it. How would you cast your sin upon God? Paul gives us three things. He says, pray, supplication, and thanksgiving. All three of these are forms of prayer, so why would we say pray at the beginning? Well, this is a different word. The first word, pray, means actually to worship and to adore God. To, to let your anxieties known for him is actually begin to start with worship and adoration. Come into the presence of God. God is everywhere. So that means actually be really mindful that he's present. In verse 5, just before this, it says, The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Temporally and spatially, he is present. He is coming soon, but he's also present with you right now. Be mindful of that and praise him. You and I, think about, you and I are face to face with God right now, even though you physically can't see him. And get in a mindset of right now, think about, praise him for who he is. Praise him for his character and for his nature. Come before God and not just say, hey, here's all the things that I, I want or I need, but actually praise him and worship him for the very person that he is. Philippians 4.4 4 is at the beginning. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Our anxiety and our circumstances can zap us of our joy, right? They can zap us of our joy. Particularly, did you hear? Rejoice in the Lord. Our joy is in the Lord. Not in our circumstances. Not in whatever's going on in the moment. Not in the things of the world. Our joy is in the Lord. And our anxiety and our worry take our mind off our joy, even helps us forget that we're actually in the Lord, and makes us focus on other things. He's saying, focus on who I am. Focus on that I love you. Don't let your anxiety zap you from your joy in the Lord. 
This is what we do when we come together on Sunday. We want to focus on giving him praise and worship for who he is by his very nature. The second thing he says is supplication. We are to bring things to God. Not just we are to bring things to God about other people. Man, like sometimes I think that's what we get in prayer about. Like, all I need to do is just pray for other people. Let me know your concerns and I'll pray them. But God fundamentally says, I want you to tell me about you. Tell me about your anxieties, your worries, what's going on with you. I want that relationship. Yes, we should pray for others. But fundamentally, we need to come before God with who we are and bring it to Him. Express it to Him. Tell Him about the things that you're unduly concerned about. Tell Him about your brokenness. Tell Him about your sin. Tell Him about your crazy thoughts. There's not, there's not a thought or sin, or action that you can have that would God say, whoa, hey, that's a little too much. He can handle it. He's asking you to bring it. He's asking you to trust in Him that He can handle it. Pray, worship, adoration, supplication, give your anxieties, cast them onto Him, and thanksgiving. Hold fast to the truth that God is for you and not against you. I think sometimes we walk through the days and we walk through the events that are happening to us and think, man, where is God? Or why is he not fighting for me? Is he against me? Regardless of your circumstance, give him thanks. You can give him thanks for giving him your, his son to die on the cross on a very basic level. Maybe that seems remote to you, but you can give him thanks for that. You can give him thanks for being present. You can give him thanks for the indwelling Holy Spirit, for even beginning to begin to know who he is. You can give him thanks. Another way you can talk about this is count your blessings. Stop and count. What do I have to be thankful for in this moment? Even if it seems small, give him thanks for that. Pray, supplication, thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Do not be overly concerned, unduly burdened in your mind about anything but God. In everything, in everything, let your request, your burdens, your anxieties be known to Him by rejoicing and worshiping who he is, by asking him, by telling him all your anxieties, and by giving him thanks for what he has already done for you. Paul doesn't say, stop worrying. Bring them to God, and God will remove all your anxieties right away. Or God will change all your circumstances right away. Paul wrote these words while he was in jail in Rome, awaiting for the outcome of his trial. Paul knew harsh circumstances. Paul had a lot to have anxiety about. 
to have undue concern about. But he said, in the midst of all this, what could be terrible? Paul had to be worried about every moment whether each day he would have food because it was required that his friends would bring him food. Jailers wouldn't provide food or water. He would have to think, is people, are people going to provide for me today? Martin Lloyd-Jones once again says this, Neither does he, Paul, say, pray, because while you are praying, you will not be thinking about the problem, and therefore you will have temporary relief. Again, good psychology, but bad Christianity. Neither does he say, if you fill your mind with thoughts of God and Christ, these thoughts will push out the other things. Once more, good psychology, but nothing to do with Christianity. Neither does he say, and I say this advisedly, pray because prayer changes things. No, it does not. Prayer does not change things. It is not your prayer that is going to do it. It is not you who are going to do it, but God. That's the gospel. I want you to hear that very clearly because at times we can think, if I just pray about this, if, I, if I'm more faithful in my prayer, if I'm more fervent in my prayer, then it will happen. Like prayer is some kind of magical incantation. Or, this is what we're good at, if I get enough people that pray for me, if I get enough wise and faithful and godly people to pray for me, then God will really hear my prayer. That's not how prayer works. That's not the purpose of prayer. You and I cannot control our anxieties, our worries, our sins, our hearts, and mine. Neither can you do it by prayer. But God can. God can. You may think, what's the, what's the difference? What, what, what's, what is the difference? I mean, I mean, God gets to choose whether he's going to do it or not. And in here, there was no promise. There was no promise that he's going to remove all your anxiety right away. That he was going to remove all your worry right away. This is the gospel. Hear the promise right now. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's not your prayer. God can do this. We bring it to prayer. We bring it to him because this is what God wants. He wants relationship with us. Here's the thing, this, this peace of God, this, this shalom, which it's such a big concept, but on a fundamental level, I want you to think about is being reconciled being, it's not just the absence of conflict. Great, I'm great that you're not in conflict with God. Fantastic. But he's saying, are you reconciled to God? And it's more than that. The peace of God, which means you are reconciled to all things. You are at peace and harmony with all things. Not because of your own ability. It's just the peace of God which he gives you. God is in 
reconciled to all things. He is in harmony to all things. There is nothing that is outside God's control. It says, this peace of God, which makes no sense. It, it's not a comprehension. You see, God is at peace and reconciled with you. Why you are enemies with God, God does this. This is what God can do. You and I can't do that. So you may be at uh, not peace with someone. Like, I don't even know how I can be at peace with that person. I don't even have to be at peace with this idea or this circumstance. And yet God says, I can be at peace with those that are actively hostile with me. That peace, that peace God can give you. That, that peace is the promise in which he'll give you. And then it goes more. That peace of God, that peace of God, which God can give, which God can do, will guard your hearts. That's a promise. Will guard your hearts and minds. The very things in which you cannot control. The very thing in which you cannot control, God will guard. Another way of saying, God will keep, he will protect, he will fight for your heart and mind. We cannot control or change our hearts and minds, but God can free it. But here's the thing I want you to understand. This is a process. In this lifetime, this is how salvation works. This is a process that God is protecting and fighting for your heart. Maybe, it could be, for some, very few, they can wake up and anxiety is gone. God can remove that. That is not ordinary. That is not a normal process in which he works. What a normal process in which God works is God justifies us, makes us right with God, and then he begins this process of the indwelling Holy Spirit, and he begins to sanctify us. He begins to, to usher in this peace of God in us. There is not anyone here, and I know you, that has the full peace of God in their life or has the full peace of God in their hearts and minds, but you have some of it. You have some of it. And this is what God is working in you. Because this peace of God is not your work. It's his work. He is reconciling. He is fighting for your heart and mind. And this is the thing. It's not a battle that he's going to lose. It's a battle he's already won. You and I have just not realized it yet. You and I have just not fully seen it in force. But the, the beginning of Philippians, Philippians 1, 6, one of my favorite verses, Paul says, I am sure of this, that God, he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This means that you may have a beginning of the peace of God in you, and you'll never see the full realization of the full peace of God in you while you're on this, but it will be completed on the day he returns. On the day we lie down for good. You and I don't control our anxieties and fears. Perhaps these past couple of years have taught you about that. You and I can't control this virus, can we? Oh, we try. Some of us try harder than others. And you and I can't control our fears about it, can we? Because you can't control your heart and mind. Therefore, because we know this truth, 
we as Christians ought to be gentle and kind and patient with others that can't control their hearts and minds because you know this very fact about yourself. Philippians 4, 5 says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That's a, when you say reasonableness, all right, I can be reasonable, but here's what reasonableness means. Gentle, kind, tolerant, understanding, balance. All those might have been better words for us to trigger different things than reasonableness. Let your kindness be known to everyone. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Let your patience be known to everyone. Let your understanding be known to everyone. Let your kind of your balanced thinking be known to everyone. Doesn't that sound a lot like the fruits of the Spirit? Let the fruits of the Spirit, who God is in you, be known to everyone. May you live out the work of God in you, and may that be known to everyone. People are all over the place with their anxiety and their fear about COVID or about mass mandates or about government control. I don't know what it is that you're concerned about, but I know that you and I are overly concerned about something, even about the basics of life. We have undue concern about them. And God is not calling us to judge others about their anxiety. What he is saying, understand that everyone, including you, have anxiety. All different anxieties about all different things. And you and I may be different than someone else. And we all have our different issues. Be gentle, kind, patient, because that is how God is with you. We can't control them. We can't control our sin. We can't control our anxiety. The good news is that God can. The good news is that God can. God is working his nonsensical peace in us, regardless of our circumstances regardless of our anxiety. God is guarding, protecting, and fighting for us, regardless of the moment of life that we're in. Don't be overly concerned about anything but God. Let all things be known to God, including your deepest anxieties and fear. The God of peace, the God of peace which makes no sense, is guarding and protecting and fighting for your heart and mind. Put it another way, Paul says it in verses 8 through 9. The exact same thing in a different way. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in this place, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What is true? What is honorable? What is just? What is pure? What is lovely? What is commendable? What is excellent? 
what is worthy of praise? The answer is only God. Only God. And think about Him. Be unduly concerned about Him, who He is, what He has done, what He is doing, what He has promised to do. Because He can. He is able. Practice these things of God. The God that is working in you, the God that is giving you his indwelling spirit. Practice the fruits of his spirit. Practice in verse 5 the reasonableness, the gentleness, the kindness, the fairness, the balance, the tolerance. The more and more God is working us, God will deal with your anxiety. God is working for us, and God is going to deal with our anxiety. He's not promising that he's going to remove it all tomorrow or all today. But, but a reality of those that are in Christ, that are in the Lord, that God has given us his indwelt spirit, our anxieties will look different. Hear this very clearly. I said at the beginning, do not compare your anxiety with someone else's. We're all on a different path of sanctification. We all start at a different place, and we all, we all end in the same place. But the rate of our sanctification is different. So do not compare, because maybe your anxieties expressed are a little bit different, but the reality, you might be in another area where your sin is more grotesque than someone else's. God is working in that area as well, too. God is working to change all those things which are broken about you and to restore you. And that one day you will not have anxiety. The reality is that one day will not be here on earth. You will not be sinless on earth. You will not be anxietyless or worryless on earth. But he is working. He is working. And you ought to be proactive in that, in those ways that I will worship and I will adore him. I will focus, I will cast my anxiety, I will tell him about that. I will give him thanks for what he has done. I will ask God to remove my anxieties. I will ask God to remove all my sin. The promise is not that he'll remove all anxiety here and now, but that one day it will be removed. I do want, I just want, I know there is a, there is a, a difference between clinical anxiety, a disorder of anxiety, and for us that have anxiety, there is a difference in that. But there is a foundational truth to both of them. They're both a result of, of brokenness, of brokenness that you and I can't control. There is a reason to actually, you know, the good psychology that Martin, Luther, uh, that Martin Lord Jones talked about. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about other things is helpful. It just doesn't solve it. The solution is God. There's other, there's, I'm not saying exclude those other things. There's other things that could be helpful to you. But God is the one that ultimately solves the brokenness that is in our life. Perhaps tonight, as you lie down, he brings you momentary rest. A momentary relief of your anxieties and worries. Perhaps tomorrow as you are with him, he will bring you peace that makes no sense in the midst of your worries and your anxieties.
perhaps today, as you rejoice in the God that is guarding and protecting you, you will live in that peace for just a moment. Just a glimpse of his promise in your life. In all this, know this truth. Regardless, one day, you and I will lie down and we will wake up and we will find complete rest, complete peace, complete joy forever because God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I am thankful that the gospel is you. You. We are broken people that can't even control our own hearts and minds. We are thankful that you are a God that is so full of love that you are willing to reconcile and to change those that are most angry and hostile towards you those that have nailed you to the cross. Lord, we know in the midst of all this that we don't even cast our anxiety, that we don't even cast our sin upon you, but this is your work in us, that you're the one that takes us. You're the one that takes our sin away, takes our brokenness away, takes our anxiety away. Lord, we ask for the momentary peace and for the healing of our anxieties and worlds. We ask for compassion, gentleness, kindness for those around us that are unduly concerned about the things of this world. Let us all be concerned with you. Let us all worship and rejoice because we are in you and that you're the one that helps, and that you're the one that guards and protects. We give you praise and glory for all this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.